0: How is it that you are a professional podcaster, yet you do not have a damn mute switch? How is that a thing?
1: In the whole time that I've had this mic set up, which is over a year, Mm -hmm. at least maybe longer, this is the first time I've ever needed it.
0: You say that, but I've definitely caught some coughs and spurts and sneezes and farts and whatnot.
1: That's never happened. That last one has never happened.
0: I mean, I wish I had one on deck, but I don't.
1: Because it's never happened.
0: So, ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest this week on Analog. It is my dear friend Mike. I'm Deathly Ill Hurley. How are you, Mike? I'm Deathly Ill Hurley. I'm
1: fine. How are you?
0: Now you're not goofing off. That's really how you sound right now.
1: Yeah, that's how I sound right now.
0: Your sinuses are made of concrete. It, it would appear.
1: Something like that. As the notes say, I'm slightly sick because I really only do feel slightly sick. I sound sound really bad, but like I feel kind of fine. I, Sometimes I just feel a little bit like my head hurts or like I'm sneezing a bunch, but I sound way worse than I feel. Um, The main problem which makes me feel bad in the mornings is my jet lag, which I'm currently uh, suffering from because it's only a couple of days after I arrived back from San Francisco. My real problem today was the fact that I severely overslept.
0: Oh. Oh. Like
1: severely overslept.
0: Well when did you intend to get up?
1: Uh eight thirty.
0: And when did you, that's half nine? Half eight. God, every I, I wish I was trolling See, you. See, I, I know
1: that. you're not trolling me because me and Marco had this exact same uh, we we had this exact same conversation. Yeah, I think I might have been ago. there. I think I said half five and he was like, What is that, four thirty?
0: Yeah. But, oh, anyway, I'm sorry. So okay. Half eight and then yep. you actually woke up when? 12.45. Oh, my. Whoops.
1: <laughs> 15 minutes before I had to record a show.
0: Ah, delightful.
1: And I woke up to a sound. There was a sound playing in the room, and I didn't know what it was, but I knew I'd heard that sound before. Oh, God. So it was, like, just a beeping. And I looked over at my phone. My phone wasn't beeping. And I was like where is this coming from? It's coming from the other side of the bed. So I'm like looking around like I'm super bleary eyed and stuff like I don't really know what's going on or where I am and I know I feel kind of crappy and I'm like what is that sound? And it's like it's like coming from the direction of Adina's iPad Mm -hmm. like what is this? Like what is happening? And I picked up the iPad and I'm looking at it and I'm like why are you making so much noise? Like what are you doing? And I open the iPad like and it's still there's nothing on the screen, right? So I wake up the screen, there's nothing on the screen that would suggest that it's like got an alarm or whatever. I'm like, what's going on? Like and then I went to unlock it and it stopped. Mm. I'm like, what is going on here? So mm-hmm. I grab my iPhone and I've got like ten missed calls and like sixteen text messages <laughs> from various <laughs> people in my life that are terrified <laughs> because they haven't heard from me yet. And uh, one of them is from Adina. Well, many were from Adina, like maybe like five. Um, and the last one was, I'm using Find My iPhone on my iPad to wake you up. And it did.
0: That is brilliant. I am not being silly. That is unbelievably resourceful of her. My- she did
1: two brilliant things, actually. There was that, and she also set our canary into armed mode in case she saw me get up.
0: Ah, uh, look at Two her. Two
1: very smart moves. She's using technology to the fullest.
0: I am very impressed. I hope I don't yeah. sound sarcastic because I am genuinely very impressed.
1: I never would have thought to do the Find My iPhone thing.
0: Mm, that is That is good thinking. I am very yep. proud of her.
1: Yep. So I found out like 10 minutes ago that probably part of the reason for this, as well as my jet lag and general sleepiness, was that my iPhone was set to one third volume on the Ringer. Mm-hmm. Rather than its regular, I usually have it up to the max, and I only had it on a third. Uh, that might have not helped my alarms and text messages and phone calls in waking me up this morning.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but find my iPhone did it. Oh, well, that's that's really really smart of her. I'm very impressed. I know,
1: I know. I was very impressed. I was very impressed. Was, as, as in a an in, a bit of ingenuity right there. Yeah, she
0: MacGyvered your your uh, sleepy state yep. into a totally awakening. worked. Totally work. Very she impressed. also
1: said that she, to make sure that I hadn't been kidnapped, she checked and all of my devices said they were still at home. She mm. used Find My iPhone to its fullest.
0: Now, do and you guys... Friends thing? Do you, I was going to say, do you share a iCloud account? Because the way Aaron and I have it set up is that we share an Apple App Store account. So we can share music and apps, but we have different iCloud accounts. Yeah. So, okay. I
1: slightly misspoke there. Okay, okay. She, We share location sharing in messages, not Find My Friends. We do messages location sharing.
0: I think it's the same thing, isn't it?
1: I don't know if it's the same thing, um, but I activated it in messages, and that's where we both check.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Aaron and I are on Find My Friends with each other, and... I truly love it. And yeah, okay, it's a little bit like stalkery and a little bit like, oh, well, why, why don't you trust your spouse? But it's not about that at all for us. Like, I almost never look at it. But the rare times that I really want to know, like, has she left somewhere because I'm meeting her? You know, where let's say she and Declan are out at a store or something like that. We're trying to meet from lunch, for lunch. I can just get on there and check and see where she is rather than be like, all right, have you left yet? Have you left yet? Have you left yet? Uh, it's super duper convenient. I don't know. I, I really like it.
1: I just opened Find My Friends and Adina is, is there, which must mean that they are the same. And I have, it says, Casey Lewis is sharing his location with you. Would you like to share yours?
0: Uh, the answer to that is, of course.
1: So I pressed share. <laughs> share for one hour until the end of the day or indefinitely? Until so the indefinitely. end of
0: time. That's when Indefinite. you're
1: Indefinite. I think that's what indefinitely means. Generally speaking. There we go. So now I know you're at home Aww. 30 seconds ago. Aww, I knew that anyway. But now I'm taking a look.
0: Yeah, my watch just buzzed and said my curly started sharing location with you. Amazing. Oh, technology.
1: Let me notify Casey. Oh, no, it's not what I want to do at all. That's me to tell you. I pressed notify Casey, and that was to tell you when I left the house, which I don't think you need to know.
0: No, but it is actually also convenient. Like, you can go to Find My Friends and have it notify you when Adina leaves wherever she is. Which again,
1: I had no idea that was the case. And that's really good because one of the main times I check the location settings is to find out when she leaves work because sometimes she leaves work way too late. And all I want to know is just when she's left. Right. So that's actually quite useful in those scenarios. So I don't check.
0: Yeah, so I think you I'm not going to do it on the air, but to my recollection you drill into her entry and find my friends and then I think there's like a there's a notify or like alert yeah. or something in there and you can say when she leaves her current location or alternatively when she arrives at another location, which again on the surface sounds super stalky and I and yeah. I, and, and I understand that but if you if you're in a relationship where you each understand that this is a thing You know, like Aaron has never used it in a way that I find inappropriate. And to my knowledge, I've never used it in a way that she's found inappropriate. And you can also turn it off if you so desire. So like when I'm shopping for gifts for her, for example, I'll just uh, maybe turn that off for a couple hours. Um, And it it is super I don't
1: remember why we started doing this, but it's just something that we've both done. And like since we've both bought new phones, have turned it back on again. I think it's just something that we both get a little bit of utility out of every yep. now and then. The fact that both me and Casey do this with our significant others is not recommendation that you do it with yours. This shouldn't be something that you feel you have to do. Correct. But for some couples, it's just something that they want to do. Yep. And if your partner doesn't want to do it, it doesn't mean that they're doing something bad. It might just mean that they would prefer it to have that bit of privacy in their life, which is perfectly okay.
0: Completely agree. So why did you say you were sick? Were you somewhere else lately? I've
1: been in San Francisco, ding, which is ding. a place that you could quite easily catch illnesses, I think.
0: <laughs> in so many ways. It's
1: hardly the cleanest city in the world, at least downtown. Uh, I, I said spend all my time. Yeah, I've yeah. been to other parts of San Francisco, and have always found it very nice. And anywhere else in the Bay Area that I've been has been very nice. Downtown San Francisco is the worst of the worst.
0: Yeah, you know, south of Market, which is, I, to my understanding, where WWDC is, I... You know, I don't have a lot of nice things to say, so I probably shouldn't say anything at all. Like, I love getting to see everyone, which we're about to talk about, and I love spending time with my friends. But every yeah. year, I'm excited to go to San Francisco, and then I get there, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, I really don't want to be here if it wasn't for all these people that I care for that are also here. And and I know, like in my brain, I know that I'm judging San Francisco unfairly because I'm judging it based on SOMA, which is kind of a crap hole, but because that's almost the entirety of san francisco to me it's hard not to conflate the two and so my heart is all like oh but my brain is i don't understand
1: to say, why big companies have their offices there
0: oh me neither i don't understand what makes san francisco so appealing i guess it's the fact that everyone is there
1: which well again i'm not even saying just san francisco in general but south of market like twitter's office is there it's like why would you buy oh, real estate mm-hmm. there?
0: yeah it beats me i don't know in any case so uh how was your wwdc
1: Best I've ever been to.
0: You know, I might have to agree with you there. So I was very upset and sad that I didn't get a ticket to the big show, as we've discussed at least once, maybe twice. Um, But I did go to Layers, which we can maybe talk about later. Short, short version. Excellent. Really, really good. Um, And by going to Layers, which is only... There was a thing Monday evening, which I had to skip for reasons that were very worth it, which we'll talk about later, but um, Tuesday and Wednesday all day was layers, and then Thursday and Friday was nothing, and that's in opposition to WWDC, which is from Monday morning to Friday evening, and having that extra time on Monday and on Thursday and Friday was actually kind of nice i really liked it um you know monday i was able to hang out in my home well i kind of ended up being the host for those that didn't go to say twitter or um imager whatever you call it or one of the other watch parties for the keynote it ended up that there were several people in my room several mutual friends of ours for the most part i'd say um so casey's yeah party at my house uh well hotel room um so, we, uh, there were several of us in, in the, in my hotel room, and I was able, much to my surprise, to keep the wife, the crappy hotel Wi Fi going long enough to stream the keynote in the State of the Union. And you know what? There's something kind of to be said for that. It was quiet. I could stretch out if I wanted to. I could talk to people without interrupting everyone around me. It was really nice. And then, um, and then Tuesday and Wednesday was layers. Thursday, I, I went on a road trip that you went on the same trip Wednesday, which we may talk about. And then Friday, I was able to leave early enough to get home at a reasonable hour instead of arriving at Dulles at 10 in the evening and making a two-hour drive uh, back home. So it was really nice. How? So tell me about your, your schedule. What did you do each day?
1: Um, Monday was – we. I watched the keynote on Twitter Um, the reason I did this is I didn't want to. I just wanted to know I had a stable internet connection,
0: which is fair because because I didn't know how it was going to go in my hotel room.
1: Because usually, like if I'm missing out, it's fine. But the rest of my day was extremely was focused on the fact that I could have seen the keynote. Mm -hmm. Right, Mm -hmm. because as soon as we were done, I bought a sandwich and then met Jason at Stephen's Airbnb to record Upgrade, and then spent the next couple of hours preparing and getting ready for the first ever RelayCon WWDC.
0: Yes. So I think we should talk about that. Yeah, we should. Tell me about RelayCon.
1: So RelayCon was uh, an event that we'd done. We've done a RelayCon event before. The first RelayCon was in Atlanta. Uh, RelayCon is loosely defined as a gathering of multiple relay FM hosts in which a podcast is also recorded. <laughs> okay. Right, which was why when me and Federico had a meetup in London, it was called the Connected Meetup because no show was recorded.
0: Hand on heart, I did not realize that was the distinction. That's kind of funny. Yeah,
1: it is a very loose distinction that we have cobbled together more recently. Um, into just to try and understand like what a relay con entails mm. and it's it's effectively um, I guess preferably with a founder present, but that that hasn't been defined, but I think that might be nice if that was the case, but hey, we're all, we're all <laughs> in this together, kids. Um, so we put on a, an event, uh, for a, like, I think it was about 150 people, mm-hmm. uh, at 111 Mina gallery, which is a, a venue space, a gallery space in San Francisco, uh we had a bunch of sponsors which helped us do an open bar and also put an event on in San Francisco, which is incredibly expensive. Oh yes. Oh, especially when you have to put fifty percent non refundable deposits down on a date that you don't one hundred percent know is gonna be WWE. Non
0: refundable? Mm hmm. Oh, there's no chance I would have done that. Like I'm not to say you did anything wrong, but yep. I would not have had the chutzpah to do that.
1: In our defense on this one, Miller did say they would allow us to move the date.
0: Oh, okay. So that's uh, assuming they were available.
1: Exactly. So like assuming they had any day in WWDC week available, they would let us move it to that. So they were that's very cool. kind in that. They knew what we were doing, basically. Like mm-hmm. they they were aware of what the event was for. But uh, we we had a pretty good bet. Um, so we took we t- we pulled the trigger on it. Uh, we figured it would all work out in the end, and it did. Um, so we, we held an event, um, which ended up being cut into some parts. Uh, so we, we did a a few little shows in the space of like an hour and 10 minutes. We did, uh, this is all out in the connected feed. There'll be a link in the show notes if you want to go and listen to it, but I'm expecting that most people that wanted to probably have by now, but we did a, um, so spoilers for RelayCon. We did a connected episode. Uh, we then, uh, I then brought Jason on and we did a surprise robot or not, which has made its way into the official robot or not feed now. Yeah. Which, I saw that. Uh, I enjoy a lot because mm-hmm. I'm there. Like I just ah. pop up, you know? Um, <laughs> right. And as I say in the show, uh, there's a reason that I shouldn't be in robot or not. And it's because <clears throat> I can't help but question John's logic. Of course because how can you not question his logic? I, I, I get to be, I felt like I was the audience in, <laughs> in all of Robot on Not, in that I could just say something like, what are you talking about? And go with it from there. Um, so I got to do that. That was a lot of fun. And then I brought Serenity Caldwell onto the stage and uh, we spoke about more watchOS stuff with me, Jason and Ren. Uh, then I let Ren and Jason go and I...
0: Wait, you fired them?
1: I let them go, yeah, they were fired. They, oh, they, that's unfortunate. They were, Yeah, I know. They, they did so well for so long, but I was like, guys, it's over, and fired them. Um, and then I got to do a thing that I was very excited about because we had somehow managed to keep this pretty much perfect secret up until that point. Uh, I did a one more thing where I introduced my co-host of Cortex CTP, Gray, to the stage. Uh, Gray is the easiest person to keep secret. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why do you say that?
1: Because nobody knows what he looks like, right? You know, as I said to him, you just look like some guy, right? Until people hear you talk, which was then followed up by, "This is as the event was starting." Don't talk
0: to anyone; just sit there quietly.
1: So what he did was, because after a little while, I didn't see him, and I, I didn't, although he was hiding, but he stood at the door,
0: which was brilliant
1: kind of just hung around around the corner on his phone. So he just looked like, you know, any antisocial person, really, you know. Like, he just hung out on his phone, talking to no one, interacting with nobody. And everyone kind of left him alone because we're all nerds and we all know exactly how that feels. So everybody just left him alone and he just hung out there. And then I got to introduce him and I was very excited. Uh, And then Grey did a terrifying thing where he put... He basically come up to the stage, he had a box in his hand I was going to take the box from him. He put the box on the table and off Mike, he said, that's for later. <laughs> now I know gray and I know nothing. There's no good there, right? Like <laughs> Something he's up to something. He then proceeded to own the stage for 10 minutes. He completely threw me off because he was way more like audience participatory than yeah. I was expecting. Uh, me too. Uh, and then he told me to open the box and it was a bow tie. Uh, and then it took me about 20 seconds to realize that the bow tie was made of wood. As you do. Uh, which was a fantastic moment. And it was just to to add to my hipster ways. And then, uh, we wrapped the event up. And then we had some uh, meet-and-greet time, which was awesome, which also uh, involved me having the largest glass of bourbon any man has ever had. Did you see my glass of bourbon that I was given?
0: Uh, sort of. Um... So
1: I went to the bar <laughs> and I asked the barman for a just a, a double uh, bullet because I, I knew that he was making old fashions for people, but I didn't want to wait for the amount of time because I wanted to try and talk to as many people as possible. So... He poured me, uh, he free poured some bourbon into a glass with some ice in it, uh, and the bottle ran out, and then I was turned around to talk to somebody. I turned around again, and he'd opened a new bottle, and poured the bourbon to the rim of the glass. As you do. Oh, but the reason that you know is because you grabbed me and spilled <laughs> yes, on the exactly. floor. Yes, Yes, yeah, which
0: yeah. at the time I felt terrible about because I didn't realize you were holding a glass. Maybe I bumped into you. Maybe I grabbed you. I don't recall. But one way or another, I felt terrible because I believe I not only spilled the glass in general, but I believe I spilled it onto you in part, and I felt terrible about it. But then fast forward to the next day, and you had a confession to make. Would you like to tell us about what, the, what that confession was? You said to me— oh my goodness, that was the largest glass of bourbon I've ever seen in my life. And if I had finished it, I would have died. So, Oh
1: yeah, no, that's true. If I would have finished it, <laughs> I would have been dead. If we, if you hadn't spilt some of that on the floor, I would have just died. I would have been completely dead. So it was totally fine.
0: Yep, so you're welcome, I guess, maybe.
1: RelayCon was a massive success. I will say it again, as I've said it everywhere else, because it deserves to be said. Steven managed the entire thing. And I don't know how he managed to make it as perfect as he made it, but he did. And I want to thank him again, and everyone who attended RelayCon or heard RelayCon. If you did either of those two things, he is 100 responsible for that. I arrived at the venue. I was I had no idea that what it was going to look like. I thought we were in a different room. I, you know, I had no idea. Um, so he did an incredible job.
0: Hats off to him for doing it. Yeah, so you were basically a total diva and just showed up, did your thing, and then left. No,
1: no, no. I had <laughs> my role, right? Instead. So I had to do all the content stuff and the hosting stuff. But for me to be able to focus on that, it meant that I couldn't get involved with the, the logistics.
0: So um, I had barely seen anyone all day. That's not fair. I had seen plenty of friends all day, but I hadn't seen anyone from Relay all day. Um, and... I went to RelayCon after – well, so we recorded ATP, just uh, John Marco and I. And then I went to RelayCon, and I hadn't seen anyone, and I wasn't sure what to expect.
1: Just quickly, nothing made me happier because I wanted you guys to all be there, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that you'd all said, like, we're recording ATP, we'll make sure that we'll be there. All three of you had said that to me independently, which I was very happy about. But then actually in the episode, I think it was Marco that said, we've got to go because we have a time
0: limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I
1: was like, that time limit is RelayCon. Really it yep. made me very happy.
0: That's a true story. Um, so I hadn't really seen much of you guys, not as much as I would have liked. And... I go running over to Relay Con with John and Marco and I and I too wasn't entirely sure what to what to expect. I remembered the space. I'd been in the space a few times before. Um it was slammed by the time we got there, and I think we were there only a few minutes late. I don't think we were egregiously late. Um it may not have even been late enough to be qualified as fashionably late. And so I start talking to all these different people. I find you, I tell you good luck, I know that you were um very nervous about how it was going to go. I I think it's fair to say Um, I was kind of nervous for you, which I never would have told you beforehand. But even though I had every confidence that you were capable of putting on a very good show, this is not your normal shtick. And because of that, I was very scared that it wasn't going to go well. Like, does that make sense? It's not that I wasn't confident it would go well, but I was still fearful for you. You know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah,
1: because I felt that way about myself. Right, exactly. <laughs> right.
0: So um, so I, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I spent most of – pretty much all the time beforehand just talking to listeners and – Every single person I met was so genuinely wonderful and nice, and it was so flattering to talk with these people. Um, I met some people that i would spoken with plenty on Twitter that I'd not seen before. A uh, friend of the show, Spencer, um, whose uh, Twitter handle I'm not going to try to pronounce. Um, we
1: say Sadio. Well, th- Federico says it like that, so okay. I say it like that, too. Uh, he
0: was there, which I was extraordinarily happy to see, because um, yep. I've not met Sadio him before.
1: Sadio was one of our lovely volunteers.
0: Ah, yes. Um, so seeing him was awesome, meeting him for the first time. Um, Doug Beal was there, right? Because we took a picture with Doug.
1: Doug Beal's everywhere.
0: Yeah, Doug Beal is everywhere. I don't know how that works, but somehow he's <laughs> everywhere. Um, and, and I'm just calling these couple of people out because they're in the chat all the time. But there there are plenty of other people that, that I was so happy to meet and who are so genuine and so kind and so nice. And then the show started and it was the three of you guys from Connected. And Marco was taking pictures of the event and Marco took a picture from backstage and Stephen put it on Instagram. Uh, And there's a, it's a picture of the three of you guys on the right side of the frame and you can see the front row of the audience. (laughs) And sure enough, there I am and I'm leaning forward on the edge of my chair, beaming from ear to ear. And I don't remember that specific moment, but I feel like, that really well encapsulates how I recall that event, which was I'm so friggin' proud of the three of you and well, you and Stephen especially for having done all the front of house and back of house stuff, uh, respectively. I was so proud and so excited and so happy, and I'm so unbelievably proud and glad to call myself a part of the Relay family because this was unbelievably cool, and I had so much fun during it. And I'm so glad it worked out so well. And I really hope we get to do it again next year. And if all possible if at all possible, I'd love to do it in a bigger venue, which I know maybe not next year, but one day I hope we can.
1: I really, honestly, very much appreciate that. Like it's very I I love that it made you feel that way, you know, that you kind of felt like you were a part of a thing, which is very nice. It's, um and we hope that everyone would feel that way, right? Which is why we wanted everyone that we could to be there. Uh, we have said it now, like we said it out loud. We are going to get a bigger venue next time that is top of the list. Like if we don't, it means we couldn't, right. It's Mm -hmm. not because we didn't try. Uh, we, we, uh, we did look to try and see if we could fit more people in, but there was no way to do it. Like we, we were at the maximum capacity we could fit for that venue. Um, but next time considering especially the amount of people we had on the waiting list uh we we're very confident we could maybe have twice the size uh and we're really going to try and do that so um there is a bigger room at minna uh we'll see I don't know where we'll be able to end up doing it but we we're, we're very very we really want to try and do that we really want to try and have a bigger venue it's something that is key to us for next time so
0: yeah. Any other thoughts about con specifically? Because I want to kind of spin this in a slightly different direction.
1: Uh, I would only say what I think you're about to say. So you may as well do that.
0: Okay. So I feel like for me anyway, the theme of this WWDC was balance. And in some ways, I think I did much better with balance. And in some ways, I think I did worse. Uh-huh. And what I'm talking about is a couple of different things all at once. So – as I mentioned earlier, not having the actual dub conference all week made for a lot more free time to do a lot more things and made everything in a lot of ways slightly less stressful because I wasn't worrying about getting to the conference at eight or nine and staying there until five and then sprinting back to the hotel to drop my bag, then sprinting to the events and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Um, that in one way was balanced. I think I did better with that because I had less time obligations and it and I was a little bit more fluid. Um, Another way that this this week was about balance for me, and I think I speak for you in saying this, was balance between spending time with my friends and spending time with people I don't know. And in some ways, I think I did better with this. And in some ways, I'm not sure I did at all. And the ways I think I did better is at RelayCon and particularly at the talk show, which we might talk about a little bit more um, later on. And that was uh, the following night. That was Tuesday night. I spent a lot of time talking with strangers, listeners, people I don't really know. Sometimes those listeners and strangers were people like Spencer, who I kind of knew because, you know, we'd spoken so much on, on the computer, on Twitter and whatnot. Um, Maybe it was like Doug Beal, who I believe I'd met at least a couple of times in the past, but I I don't get to see Doug terribly often. Um, And maybe it was people that I genuinely had never met or heard of before. Um, And I, and I'm very proud of myself for doing better about interacting with people that I don't know and hopefully doing a very good job of making those people feel like i'm giving them my whole attention certainly there were times i didn't and i hope you're not listening to this and thinking oh god he was such a failure at that but generally speaking i think i did a really good job and i think in some ways merlin is my spirit animal in this because merlin is so present and makes you feel like a million dollars anytime you're around him and i wish so deeply i was more like him in that regard um and I was trying very hard at RelayCon not to just talk to Marco and Dan Morin and John and, and Underscore and et cetera. And I feel like there and at the talk show, I did a pretty good job all in all. How do you feel?
1: Let me take a break. Okay. and then I, And then I'll tell you how I feel. All right, good. All right, this week's episode is brought to you in part by our friends at Pingdom. You can start monitoring your own websites today and servers as well by going to pingdom.com slash analog. When you go there, you'll get yourself a 14-day free trial. And when you enter the offer code analog at checkout, you'll get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is focused on making the web faster and more reliable for anyone that has a site. If you have anything on the internet, and I'm guessing you probably do, you will most likely, I'm sure, I'm sure, want it to stay op- up and active and open and available to anybody that wants to go there at any time. If you're a Pingdom user, you will be able to rest safely in knowing that your Server, database, website will be monitored constantly for availability and performance. Pingdom does this by using more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site and checking its availability as often as every minute and from locations all over the globe. By doing this, they will make sure that your sophisticated, powerful, and probably quite complex website is staying active. Now these days, when I talk about things being Complex. You just think of stuff like, let's say you have a website and you sell something on that website. That means you have a checkout function. It means you have a store. It probably also means you have a blog and a contact page and an about page. You probably don't want any of those to be down because you never know what people are coming to your site for. If they're coming to buy something, you definitely want the checkout to work. If they're coming to get support, you definitely want the contact form to work. Pingdom can monitor all of these things independently as well as your website as a whole. So if one of the elements, one of the dependencies of your website goes down, Pingdom will be able to let you know. And they do this ...in any way you want. They send you push notifications, they can send you emails, they can send you text messages... ...whatever you want Pingdom to do, they can do it. Stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every single month. That's more than 400,000 outages every single day. Regardless of whether you have a small website or you're managing complete infrastructure, Pingdom is there to help you because it's super important to monitor the availability and performance that you have. All Pingdom needs is the URL you wish to monitor, and they take care of the rest. You don't want to be caught out when someone wants to access your site, so you need Pingdom. Check it out today, and you'll be the first to know when your site is down. Go to pingdom.com analog for a 14-day free trial, and use the code ANALOG at checkout for a lovely discount of 20% at checkout, and you'll get that 20% discount on your first voice thank you so much to pingdom for their support of this show
0: all right so how do you feel you did with the balancing act of hanging with friends versus meeting and greeting um people you haven't met before
1: so one thing that i did better at this year was balancing work with seeing anyone Mm -hmm. so that's flat out better like because last time There were multiple problems, there were multiple issues, many multiples of different things uh, that meant that I didn't get to do all the stuff that I wanted to do. Like last time I had a ticket to Layers and went for like two hours. Mm Mm-hmm not the best thing to do
0: no not at all and i would like to jump in and just say i barely saw you last year which i'm not happy about um i think some of that was my fault it's not all on your shoulders but i think a lot of that was you being so darn busy recording every show under the sun and running around like a crazy person and and i remember leaving last year thinking by god i barely saw mike
1: yeah and no, you we didn't see each other at all and it was that was a real shame but that was definitely something that that was a problem last time and That wasn't something I was going to let happen again. So this time, we set a lot of that differently. We structured our shows differently. We structured the recording times that we were doing. Uh, We made sure we had the equipment that we knew was going to work. And what that ended up resulting in was I had more time for everything. I had more time for friends, and I had more time for being at places where I could meet people. I still think I've got some ways to go in the balancing of it all. Like It's difficult to know... If you're doing the right thing, if you're speaking to the right amount of people, uh, if you're spending enough time for everyone, because I have multiple reasons for wanting to do a thing like this. Part of it is to you know, to host an event like RelayCon and get to meet listeners. Part of it is a big part of it for me is getting to see the friends and the people that I only get to see once a year. I also go there for business now too. I was taking bunch of meetings that I wasn't having last year, uh, visiting companies as well, which was a fun thing. Uh, but taking business meetings, meeting with people, you know, potential sponsors, that kind of stuff. But then also, when I attend events, I want to, you know, if you mentioned the talk show, um, I make sure to like hang around at something like that now because I we have mutual listeners of the shows, so I want to see if you know if anybody wants to hang out and say hi and that kind of thing that they can, and that definitely does happen and did happen. So I, you know, I did that, but I did feel like there was. Still more that could be done and and i 'm learning every year about my best way to deal with these things and uh, I feel like I went a long way this year into being better at it, but next time I would like to try and see if there are more events of some description uh, that I can go to that will help me meet with more people i don 't know
0: yeah, I agree, and so the talk show was particularly striking for me because you know during the before time, I was you know mingling and schmoozing and whatnot, just like I was at relaycon. And then I watched the show, which was excellent as always. And after the show, uh, Mezzanine tends, which is the venue it was at, tends to be really obnoxious and aggressive about pushing people out the door when they've decided the event is over. In this case, I'm not sure what was different. Maybe the show was shorter. Maybe, maybe John and, and Amy Jane had booked a longer time at Mezzanine. But for whatever reason, there was maybe like an hour, hour and a half after the talk show ended where you could st- talk and schmooze and, and meet people. And that hour and a half, really a, f- a few seconds of that hour and a half was one of the most striking moments of my entire life. And I had been talking to people. You know, I, I had been sit- seated in the front row. I had kind of stayed near the stage and was just you know, introducing myself to people and they were introducing themselves to me. And after what felt like 10 or 15 minutes of this, which was not bad at all. I mean, I was having a great time. I was meeting a lot of people. Of course, my voice was destroyed at this point. I, was pro- I probably sounded like a frog, but I was trying my hardest. And at one point I looked up and I-, I was really confused. And then I looked a little closer and I don't remember who I was talking to at the time, but if you're that person, I'm so sorry. But I, I-, I kind of got distracted for a second because I looked up and I realized, wait a second, that's a line. That's a line of people in front of me.
1: It's like Thunder Mountain or something.
0: Yeah, right? That's a line of people in front of me butting up against the person I'm presently talking to. Wait, that's a line of people in front of me butting up against the person I'm presently talking to. They're waiting to talk to me? I, I, I still don't. It's still hard for me to reconcile that that was me that people were queuing up to talk to, and that 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 this is my real life. granted it's only my real life once a week, but the fact that this is ever my real life it's it's hard to reconcile and and I hope I don't sound like I'm humble bragging because that's not my intention at all. I think I kind of am by accident, but the fact that there was more than one person that wanted to talk to me at the same time is stupefying to me and Oh, my goodness, how unbelievably flattering that is that anyone would would eschew talking to other people or getting a drink or doing anything in the world other than Uh waiting in a line to talk to my dumb behind. Like, how awesome is that? And how great does that make me feel that people wanted to talk to me that much that they were waiting and taking time out of their day to do so? So if you were one of those people at the talk show that actually queued up to talk to me. Thank you so very much. That's that's so unbelievably flattering and kind of you, and I really do appreciate it. And I, I'm pretty sure you had similar moments, if not exactly the same.
1: Sure, not to belittle your moment here, but I, I can't help but make a joke. Uh, did you? Did, did was there anyone behind you? Did you check?
0: <laughs> you know, at one point, I think Marco was. I think Marco and John were both behind me at one oh, point, no. but 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 that wasn't the entire time. And okay, good. And I Ooh. I mean maybe I miss a miss at attributing misattributing this no, as not. but I'm pretty sure Did you sure. talk to all of those people? I as far as I am aware yes were you
1: stopping them while they were walking past you, or did they talk to you? <laughs> no. Did they come up? I
0: am pretty sure they all came up to me.
1: All right, then they were they were to see you. I think I mean, that so. would be so funny, right? Like they're trying to walk by, and yeah, you are like, yeah. "Oh, thank you so much. Oh, it's like, great to meet you." Like, Casey. Stopping yeah. them
0: all, shaking. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. you are
1: not doing that, right? Because you think they were talking to you. You are like right, right, right. stopping them, shaking your hand, like, "Oh, hi, Casey. Nice to meet you." And then they off they go, and you are like, "All these people just want to say hi."
0: Yeah, I don't feel yeah. like everyone was looking through my head to whatever was Good. behind me, but I am not sure. Good news. I had no, I did have a
1: uh, look i would hazard a, a strong guess that about 75 percent of the people that listen to the talk show listen to atp and vice versa right like the correlation between those two shows i i would assume is alarmingly high i would guess um, yeah because it just feels like those audiences really overlap a lot um so i expect if somebody is there they definitely know who casey Liss is right like yeah, they, they know that
0: i would think so and certainly i was on the show um in years past, I think. Yeah, that, what was that, that helps. Which also helps. Um, but it was it was just so strikingly, amazingly kind, and I, and I really do appreciate it. And in that sense, I feel like I did a really good job of not going to find Marco or John, or John or you or Steven or whomever, and instead spending time with people that maybe this was their only reasonable chance to meet me. God, that sounds so conceited. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mean that to be like, oh, look at me. I'm so cool. But- it's did just you do the,
1: ATP con.
0: We should, and I'd love to, but the problem is I don't have a Steven to arrange all of this for me. maybe, um,
1: maybe next year I have the three of you. How about that?: uh, I: would, I
0: would love it. I love being on the talk show. I thought it was so cool. But anyway, um, in that sense, I think I did well. Where I think I fell down was there were there was one or two nights when I think if I was left to my own devices, I would have gone from one of these events. And I would have gone with, like, the Relay folks or or maybe even just the ATP trio. And I would have gotten, like, a private dinner with just them. You know what I mean? Or maybe hung out just them. And the problem is there's no clear division between what's the people's time, which I, it sounds so terrible, but I can't think of a better way to describe it, and what's Casey's time. And I don't think I did a good job of managing that division. And... I'm not sure what I should have done differently. Maybe I should understand that there isn't Casey time anymore, but that just doesn't seem fair. Maybe I should have been like, Hey, listen, you know, yeah, Bobby and Timmy and Susie and Sally, I This is my time now. And, and I, I appreciate so very much that you wanted to spend time with me, but I, this is my time and I need you to recharge with, with just my really close friends. And I think I did a bad. I'm not sure what I should have done, but I'm pretty sure I didn't handle that well.
1: Honestly, like, I feel like there's maybe... I feel there's a part of me that that feels that way as well, right? Like, agrees with that I maybe didn't do as well as I should have. But I think that that's the key. is just probably, one, you're not going to do as well as you could. Two, Mm -hmm. you realize it. Three, you change it.
0: Yeah. So
1: I think it's just adjusting to this every year. Because there is a balance that has to be found, in my opinion. Because... You can't go there the whole time and just be out there in public doing meetups five nights a week, right? Right. You can't be doing that. You also, I mean, you can go out there actually and just spend time with your friends if you want to. But I don't think either of us are built that way.
0: No. No. No, I, I think you and I are cut from the same mold to build on what you were yeah. saying in that I, I really, truly enjoy the time, the meet and greet time. I really, truly enjoy that. And in, in a lot of ways, it energizes me. But you know what else energizes me is spending quieter private time with people like you and Federico and Stephen and Marco and John. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, underscore. it's
1: important because we only see each other once a year right? and it's San Francisco.
0: Right, exactly. So. Which, And so I... I <laughs> It, it, like I said earlier, I think in some ways I did better with the balance. In, I think instead of just hanging with my buddies at talk show, I did better and RelayCon. I did better about meeting people and being available. Um, and then I think in some ways I did worse because I think I maybe I should have stood up for myself in the post-public time. Maybe I shouldn't have had as much post-public time. I'm not sure what the balance is, but I'm pretty sure I didn't land exactly where I should have been. But Um, one of the things I did want to briefly talk about is, uh, we, you and I and others got to spend a bit of private time together. Um, we got to go to house of prime rib, um, which was, um, the connected hosts and underscore and gray and ATP. And I think that's it. Am I leaving anyone off?
1: No, I think that was
0: it. Um, unbelievably good. So, good. oh
1: my God, I'd never been there before.
0: Yeah. And so House of Prime Rib, um, you should look it up. We'll put a link in the show notes. But it's it's one of those places that you hear about it and you're like, oh God, that's such a tourist trap. And on the surface it is, but it's so much more than that. Like it is, imagine a tourist trap, but it's wonderful and amazing. Kind of like Disney World, I guess. Um You the for for the most part, the only thing on the menu is prime rib. Uh, It comes to your table in a blimp slash dirigible that uh, they slice it right there next to your table. Um, And then you can you get salad with it, you get a couple sides with it and then you can optionally get a complimentary dessert cut of prime rib. So you've eaten probably several ounces, if not like a half a pound of prime rib, and then you decide, you know what, I would like just a little sliver more at the end. Now, you did not do the dessert cut, or did you? Uh,
1: No, I did do it.
0: Okay, you did do it. Did you regret it?
1: No, because I hadn't eaten since breakfast.
0: Oh, so you were right primed, ready to go. I did not do the dessert cut. Um, I did not have the room for it. Uh, several people at the table did. Uh, Marco did the dessert cut for the first time, um, which he was very proud of. And to be honest, I want to make fun of him for it. But if I were him, I would have been very proud of it. Um, <laughs> I
1: think I also had a bigger cut than you in the you first did. instance. You did. Right? You
0: absolutely did. Because I got the city cut, which is the the wimpy cut. And I think you got the uh, house cut.
1: Yeah, the house cut, the standard size.
0: Right. Uh, house prime rib was wonderful. And this is what I'm talking about. Like Having that private time with just my dear friends is so energizing and so lovely and so much fun we also had um a a similar private dinner a little bit outside of town um on thursday and among other things a dear friend of the show joe Steele was there um he had had come in for a wedding somewhere in the area that was this past sunday i guess um and he got
1: an analog hug that he really didn't want.
0: Oh, he did not like that hug he at all. He didn't
1: want it. We, me and, me and Casey put him in a hug sandwich, and he was unhappy about it. He
0: was extraordinarily uncomfortable, which if I'm honest, just made me that much happier. Not because I like to see Joe uncomfortable, but because it was hysterical. Um, But Joe Steele's a good man. And uh, I was very glad that he was able to uh, make the trip up. He uh, came up early to the best of my knowledge, specifically for this private dinner uh, outside of town, which I was super excited about. Um, This private dinner was maybe 15 people. um, And it was truly lovely. This was the second time that uh, Mike and I were able to go. And it is one of the highlights of my week. And, and, in the same way that actually RelayCon and talk show were highlights of my week, um, and I and I really mean that, you know, it, it, they're just very different things that make me feel amazing, and it was so much fun. And um, I have one more thing to say about WWDC in a moment. But for anyone that introduced themselves to me, for anyone that said hi, for anyone that said something that was even moderately complimentary, thank you from the bottom of my heart. It really does make me feel like a million bucks, and it's so flattering that anyone gives a crap about anything that comes out of my mouth. So thank you.
1: Most definitely. All right. Is there anything else you want to talk about ATP-related? Yes. Have a kind of topic slash mega of feel. Ah, yes.
0: This is the one we blew off last week. Okay. One final note that I'd like to uh, put on WWDC Week. A couple of months ago, Mike had asked me if we were going to do a run of ATP stickers. And I said, no. Why would we do that? We have no interest in that. No. He said, well, can you send me the show Art? Um, no, this isn't what happened at all. That's how I remember it. What happened?
1: No, no. What happened was I said to you, would you ever do ATP stickers? And you said, "Ah, oh, we thought about it, but we never really thought of a way to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Everything's so hard. Why yeah. do we have to do anything? That's basically and what I just said. I, no. And then I said to you, here are many different ways we can make this happen for you. <laughs> so I said that uh, I can just print them and bring them with me to WWDC, or I can print them. And we can sell them like in our real FM store for you, so you can sell them to people. Like whatever you want to do, blah blah blah. And then I said, or you know, you can do this. So you can set up a Squarespace store on your site, and we'll do the distribution for you, even like whatever you want. And you said, okay, let me go and talk to the guys. And we'll make a decision. You went back, and, and obviously, the route that the three of you took was Mike, can you print them and bring them to WWDC? So I said, Sure. So I did that. So that's what actually happened. Even though everybody that I talked to, you, John, and Marco, none of you believe this happened.
0: What do you? Well, I totally believe it happened because you handed no, me the stickers.
1: No, no, believe that like it was a conversation that occurred with multiple proposed options.
0: Oh, no. Now that you say that, I definitely remember. And I stand by every conclusion I had, which is I don't want to deal with Squarespace. I don't, want to, I, just, ugh, I don't want to be bothered by it. But I bring this up, not so you can belittle me, believe it or not, but because what ended up happening was you gave me the ATP stickers, I think, on Monday or maybe even Sunday. Yeah, and- I,
1: bought, I made them. I wanted, well, I wanted them so I could put one on my iPad. And I made them too big, which was my own problem. So that's why the ATP sticker is so large on my 9.7-inch <laughs> iPad Pro. As Marco pointed out, bigger than any of the stickers of my own shows. As it should be. Uh, but the funny thing is, I have posted pictures of this ATP sticker for months, and nobody has ever said anything.
0: Yeah? I mean, I've noticed it, but be that yes. as a
1: matter. People, I'm sure, have noticed it, but nobody ever said to me, where did you get that ATP sticker? Maybe people just don't care about stickers as much as I do.
0: Maybe, but... um. Either way, so early in the week, let's say it was Monday, but it doesn't matter, you gave me probably 90 stickers, maybe more than that. Um, A ton Uh, of stickers. I took
1: like maybe five or 10, and I think I ordered like 150 or something.
0: Okay, there you go. So you gave me a bunch of stickers, and it occurred to me, maybe because you said something, maybe because I had an epiphany, um, it occurred to me that, you know what I should do? I should carry these with me. And when someone comes up and says hi to me, I should give them a sticker, which on the surface is like kind of self-involved and ridiculous. And I understand that. But my hope is rather than it being self-involved and ridiculous, people will be happy to get this like trinket, this tangible um, representation of that very moment of the moment where they met me. God, that sounds so self-involved, but hopefully you know what I'm trying to say. And <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to publicly um, thank you For facilitating this, because it gave me so much pleasure to give out these stickers and for people's faces to light up. Because I had no, like, I never said on Twitter, come find me and I'll give you a sticker. I never said anything. I just surprised people with these stickers, often caked with pocket lint from my jean pocket. But nevertheless, these ATP stickers that you cannot find anywhere because I mean they, they, they don't exist this is the only batch that's ever been made you cannot buy them I don't think any of us plan to put them up for sale the only way to get them is to find one of the three of us and it's
1: not enough to sell
0: that that's true too um, I am so glad that you gave these stickers to me and that you decided to print these it was unbelievably rewarding to give these out and I'm so glad you did it and I wanted to thank you publicly for it pleasure that's all I had A great WWDC week I'm so glad we got to hang out much more than we did before. I, like I said, I have a ways to go to balance everything right, but I'm getting better. I feel like I'm getting better with schmoozing with people. I'm more confident about it now, um, which is good. I think you're the same way. In every way, this was an improvement on last year. I wish. I still kind of wish I had a ticket to the real WWDC show, you know. Um, but that being said, layers was so friggin' good that I'm actually torn with what I would do next year. I don't know what I would do.
1: But talking about stickers and WWDC, Mm -hmm. I just want to say this. I don't know why it's just going to make people mad, but I'm going to say it anyway. We did a special run of connected stickers. Um, there were four stickers in total. Uh, and if you went to London, you could have gotten three quarters of them if you met a London meetup. And if you were at RelayCon, you could have gotten your hands on all four of them. They were, um, for for the Connected London Meetup, we di- we had our designer make a poster for us. We loved that poster so much we turned it into a t-shirt, adding Steven in. So the little three character t-shirt with the IMAX. We then loved that so much that we took those and made three individual stickers with customized backgrounds. So it was a mic sticker with stickers on the sticker. <laughs> It was the Steven sticker with, I think he had the rainbow behind him. The, the rainbow that, of IMAX. The six color. No, I think it was just the six color rainbow. It wasn't actual IMAX behind him. And then there was Federico on an Italian flag with little pasta shapes. And then we also <laughs> did a new run of the Vedici seal of quality, which is much better quality and smaller. And they were available for anybody that attended RelayCon. We scattered them out all over the room. So they're really, they're really cool. They Um, are magnificent.
0: Yeah. um, I have in my hands, as we speak, the Federico sticker and the uh, Steven sticker. I didn't grab a mic sticker. I don't know why? I don't. Do I don't way. know what is wrong with me. What is wrong with me? I'm the worst. So anyway.
1: Well, I tell you, part of the problem you had is you didn't see them at the front where you were standing because I'm just going to say this: the mic stickers they went the fastest.
0: That's not surprising. So just yes.
1: saying, just saying, mic stickers were picked up the quickest. You know. Yep.
0: So I'm hoping that I can get my hands on one on the black market some way somehow.
1: Yeah, I have, I have one for you. I appreciate it. All right, Somewhat.
0: we should move on. We have a lot of Relay Your Feels to go through. But yeah. again, 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 thank you so much to anyone that spent any time or in some cases money on getting to see any of us. It is so extraordinarily kind of you, and I cannot thank you. it enough. And we love you for it. And um, and yeah, you guys rock.
1: So Mark sent in uh, a bun- whole bunch of questions for Relay Your Feels. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go for it. And see if we could do them
0: all Yeah. Okay. All right, so that means we're going to have to be quick because there are a lot of them. So these lightning are not, round, yeah, there's going to be a lightning round to reel really your feels. But these are all really good questions, and, and thank you to Mark for sending them in. And with that in mind, let me start with you, Mike. What was your first job? Did you love it, hate it, or just do it and go home?
1: My first job was uh, at Waitrose, which is a fancy supermarket in the UK, and it was kind of cut into two. Uh, Most of my time was spent doing customer service, which included dealing with returns, but also the customer service desk was responsible for DVDs and CDs and also cigarettes. Mm. So I had to do all those things. I kind of hated this part. I liked the DVD part because it meant I could hide in a cupboard for a few hours and just put things on the shelves because in the cupboard was there all the DVDs were and you'd have to get the new DVDs when they came in, take them out of the boxes, put them into a filing system so they wouldn't get stolen and then put the empty cases out. Um, and you'd have to go and do that. And then, the, But the deliveries part was something that I loved. So people could buy their groceries, they could have them bagged and then someone from the customer service team Along with a delivery driver, would go and deliver them, and it was my very favorite job. It's probably the best job I've ever had. Inclusive, like, I of love this one. I love what I do right now. Um, but but basically, there was no stress in that job. Mm, mm-hmm. There's still stress in this, and I wouldn't become a waitress delivery driver now. But like for the t- way I felt about it then, like I just absolutely adored that job. Because it was all I did was just be a passenger in a car and then just take some shopping bags to a door. Right. That's so, pretty you nice. Know, I love my job now more than I love that one, but this one has stress and that one didn't. So Fair enough. Job. What was your first job and how did you feel about it?
0: Uh my first real job was at a uh video game store called um Babbage's. Um it's now been subsumed, I believe, by GameStop, and then that in turn might have been turned into electronics boutique. Either way, it was, uh, I mean, we sold computer software as well, but generally speaking, it was all about um, video games. And this was in the late 90s, so I was in high school, and then I think like the first year I was in college, so like 2000, maybe 2001, I'd come back and worked a little bit more over the summer or something like that. Um, For the most part, I quite liked it. It had its moments that I didn't care for, but... Generally speaking, I enjoyed it. I think I was okay at it. Um, this was back when I actually gave a crap about video games. Um, I pushed so many people into buying a Dreamcast when I worked there because it was clearly, far and away, the best system available in the late 90s. That didn't work out too well. But uh, I really enjoyed it, by and large. All, All
1: right. right. And as kind of a full-out question, you already know my answer. Before podcasting and development, what was the favorite job, you've, most favorite job you've ever had? And mine was the waitress job.
0: For me, um, this is kind of a toss-up, I think, between a project I did at one job and the first half of a second job. So when I was at um, a defense contractor uh, here in the United States, a very, very large company, I worked on this project with uh, just a handful of other guys who were roughly my age. And this was only, I don't know, two or three years out of college. And basically, we were told, you have two months to... Create this system that we will present to the United States Navy at the end of those two months, and there is nothingness to start with. Go. So it was extremely high stress and very, very long hours. But at the end of it, we were able to present what I think was a pretty solid product product and project to the U.S. Navy, and it was something that basically three recent college graduates put together out of thin air, and that was you extremely you allowed to say fun. what it was? Um, in broad strokes, in broad strokes, it was about trying to figure out when someone was attacking a U.S. Navy vessel. And so it was oh a, it was a computer program that facilitated knowing when the vessel was under attack. And that's probably about as specific as I can get, but it was super interesting and it was super fun and super stressful. And oh my goodness, I would do it again if I could the other one that that it's tied with is the first couple of years i spent at a my first real consulting firm like the defense contracting is sort of kind of consulting but um the first real consulting firm was just right when i moved to richmond um it it was kind of like the fraternity I had never been a part of in college. This was a bunch of like late 20s, maybe early 30s individuals, most of whom did not have families, maybe had spouses, but didn't have families. And it was definitely an example of work hard, play hard. So when I was at the defense contractor, I remember vividly receiving an email a couple of weeks before I left the company saying, hey, just FYI, if you have a bottle of alcohol, even if it's sealed anywhere on our campus, that's grounds for termination. Like, we will fire you if we find this out. Yeah, it's just whatever. That's the way it is. It's defense contracting. So fast forward a month or so, and it was within my first month at this uh, consulting firm here in Richmond. And I was playing beer pong in a conference room with some of my coworkers during a March Madness party. It was weird, and it was fun, and it was – the work was not the best, but the people were awesome, and we had so much fun together, and I kind of missed that.
1: All right, so next up, uh question number 3. What household chores are yours, tech support excluded? Um I don't we don't really have a division of labor yet. I guess that will come at some point. But I think probably the thing that I do the most uh is washing the dishes. Mhm. Um and then maybe maybe other than that we'll do vacuuming and cooking, but they're shared completely, but
0: Yeah. um, For us, so I'm extremely spoiled. Um, I, generally speaking, get a buy on most of the chores. Um, Erin has taken it upon herself to really really do an unbelievably good job of doing most of the chores around the house because she's home all day. Now, to be clear, listeners, I absolutely do not tell her to, or at least, I mean, we should I should call her upstairs and ask her to confirm, but I don't tell her to. Um, I don't expect it of her. In fact, many times I tell her not to do so many chores during the day, but she's unbelievably good about it. If there's anything, I would say absolutely um, I tend to be the only one to wash the cars. I think part of that is because she knows I'd I'd take issue with one or one way or another that she did wash the car because I'm very particular, uh, and I do like you said do a fair bit of dishes, but she absolutely does more than I do. I mean, I'm capable of helping out with almost anything, um, and we'll talk about Close. what I'm what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. We'll talk about next, but uh, but yeah, generally speaking, she she is the best, and and she does almost everything around the house. I basically just uh, I'm the diva of this house. In summary.
1: So, Casey, what's your favorite chore?
0: Washing the Cars. Without, without a doubt, I love washing both cars. Um, yeah, I've
1: heard you're very good at this.
0: Eh, I think that's overblown. I, I'm not that good at it. Um, one time, Marco came for a Top Gear Party, um, and his car was filthy because he had just driven like 400 miles. And we went to wash cars together at a local like car wash where it's just a bay, and there's a power washer in there. So you pay to turn the water on on the power washer, and you can wash the car. And Marco was fumbling about trying to wash his car, and eventually I just had to say, No, no, no just just stop i'll do it and that's what happened um, and so that's probably where, where you heard this story it is it, it turns out just marco hadn't really washed his car that many times before and i think he's also very good at it now i don't think i'm very good at it i just well i used to do it all the time before declan and um and now i just i have a i have a i have a routine that gets the cars clean and, and, and i really enjoy it uh, i also don't mind mowing the lawn uh, that's really good podcasting time uh, but as it turns out, Erin loves mowing the lawn for whatever reason. And so I think in part because it gives her a reprieve from being a mom for an hour. It's <laughs> like so, getting
1: away from you two is probably. Yeah, the exactly. Most of the exactly.
0: So uh, so generally, she does mow the lawn. And I feel like in some ways I'm taking that away from her if I do it, believe it or not. But, uh, but I, I actually don't mind mowing the lawn. Oh, what about you?
1: I like cooking. Now, there are times where cooking is the most stressful thing in my life. But there are also times where it goes really well. And when it goes really well, I really enjoy it.
0: I'm pretty good with uh, breakfast, specifically like egg-related things. So not not baked things or like not, – I'm not good at waffles. I'm not good at pancakes. But like egg sandwiches and omelets and stuff like that I'm decent with and I enjoy that. But anything outside of breakfast, I'm a disaster. Just no good. Aaron's gotten, uh, Aaron's gotten to be unbelievably good. And I'm proud to say I married her before she was a particularly good cook. And the, I just rolled the dice on that one, apparently, and came up a winner. But um, she, she did not come up a winner when it, came with, when it came to rolling the dice on me. But I came up a winner, which is awesome, because she's turned into quite the good cook. Um, but I am, I'm good at breakfast, but everything else, I'm a disaster.
1: I'm good at following recipes. That's why I should make that clear.
0: I got you. Uh, what do you hate doing, chore-wise? Vacuuming. It sucks. But yeah,
1: gardening but the most. Oh, I didn't get that when I wrote that. Uh, gardening, I won't go anywhere near. Gardening is one chore that I will always pay someone for, like mowing the lawn and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like crawly things. <laughs> and uh, they tend to all make their appearance when I mow the lawn.
0: That does tend to happen from time to time. So
1: I will always pay someone to mow the lawn. I wish we just didn't have one, but we do.
0: Yeah, fair enough um i hate more than almost anything in the world cleaning our shower um i don't know what it drives what drives me nuts about it um but digging in the grout i hate like to get all the gunk out of the grout getting the floor clean i just i hate cleaning the shower i hate it more than anything in the world all right we should probably talk about something that's cool though
1: yeah, we definitely should. Ministry of supply, you They're know what? Cool. You know why Ministry supply? They're not just cool; they make you look cool as well.
0: That's a true story.
1: But you know what is the opposite of cool is heat. Do you know what heat does? Makes you uncomfortable. Makes you sweat. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Heat makes you sweat. There is nothing you can do about it. And you know when you sweat at times that you don't want to sweat, and in clothing that you don't want to sweat in. Gym clothes, totally fine. They're made to deal with sweat. But when you are wearing your work clothes. You don't want to do that, right? You just don't want to have to deal with that. All day, every day, sweating in your suits and shirts. There's nothing that you want. This is no, no, you just don't want it. And there's nothing that your work clothes will do to help. This is where Ministry of Supply comes in. They combine performance technology with tailored design to make men's workwear that's actually comfortable and capable. This results in dress shirts and slacks that wick sweat, breathe, and stretch as you move. They make something, Casey, called the Aviator 2 suit. It's so stretchy and breathable, people have actually run marathons in it. In a suit? In a suit. What's more, Ministry of Supplies co founder set a Guinness World Record for the fastest half marathon run in a suit.
0: I have no words. I don't even know. And what he to was say.
1: wearing the Aviator
0: 2, of course. How could you not? How amazing is that? That's it, it, I don't even know what to say about that. Like I couldn't run a half marathon, period, let alone a half marathon no. in a suit.
1: Now, I know that Ministry of Supplies clothes are comfortable and good-looking because I have them, right? And I know that their shirts make me feel nice and cool, and I know that they don't need to be ironed. What I didn't know is that if I wanted to, I could run... Marathons in them. To find out more, go to MinistryofSupply.com slash analog and you'll get fifteen percent of your first Ministry of Supply purchase by using the code analog, or you could visit one of their stores in Boston, San Francisco, and coming soon Washington DC. Just mention this show in store and you'll get fifteen percent off your purchase. Thank you so much to Ministry of Supply for their support of this show and relay
0: FM. You know, I know we've mentioned it before, but the fact that you can actually use our show as an offer code in a store, amazing. So good. All right, uh, Mike, what tech or service do you miss the most? Um,
1: so this was something that um, Mark kind of pointed out by saying like Ewald, Atari, and Newton. I feel like maybe I'm not, Old enough for this question? There's nothing that I can think of. I racked my brain in this one and couldn't think of anything. Good, you're I'll listing take care of it. like six different things.
0: <laughs> Indeed. So, um, off the top of my head, uh, the first thing I thought of when I was looking at this list a week or two ago was I remember vividly when I was like eight or something like that. So this was like, nah, probably even younger than that. It's late 80s, maybe early 90s. I remember watching. Uh, My dad used Prodigy, which was kind of like America Online. It was like an online service, also like CompuServe. And I remember the connection being so slow that you could read the individual characters coming across the screen as they were downloaded. That's how slow it was. And there's something that I kind of enjoy about all of that.
1: Um, but i've used terrible things right like i've used a bunch of bad internet services i don't miss any yeah
0: that's fair um so things that i actually miss um i miss icq that's the letters i c and q although it's supposed to be i seek you um that was basically the first time
1: you just blow my mind did you not know that No, I never worked it out before.
0: Oh, funny how that is. Uh, That was the first time that I was aware of that the idea of an online presence was a thing. So you have to remember when ICQ came out, everyone was on modems. So you weren't online all the time. And ICQ was this online chat service that would report into their servers when I was online and when my friends were online. And then I could see that somebody was online and I could send them messages Instantly, you could almost even call them instant messages. Uh Mm -hmm. Now, I say that jokingly, but truly, this was the first time I'd ever seen that sort of a thing before. And this was before AOL Instant Messenger was a thing, or at least it was before it was a thing outside of AOL itself. It was amazing. just want
1: to point out in the chat room, you're blowing many minds of ICQ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's a thing. Um, I miss ICQ. It was not the greatest program in the world, but it was the first of its kind. Um, There was a program called KALI, K-A-L-I. And what that was, was back in the day... Um, I think this was a windows program. It might've been DOS, but back in the day when you got a video game, it would use, it would use either a serial cable, which is uh, a special kind of cable. Think of it like a USB cable, but older and larger. Um, You could connect to another computer via serial cable or a modem, or I believe it was called an IPX network. I don't have the faintest idea what that stands for, but that's what it was called. And if you connected two computers via an IPX network, you could play, for example, Doom or Duke Nukem 3D or Descent or one of these other old school DOS games against each other. Well, what Cali did was it did a couple of things. One, it faked the Internet as an IPX network. So... You could then take these games that were not designed to work on the internet and you could play them across the internet. And the other thing it did was it, it showed you who was playing what where. So you could join a game of a bunch of people playing Duke Nukem or Descent or what have you. It was amazing. And oh my goodness, I spent so many hours playing various games on on, uh, on Cali and it was awesome. This was back when I was hugely into video games. And then a final answer very quickly, my Motorola Razor, R-A-Z-R. R-A-Z-R. Um, it was a cell phone. Uh, it was a, one of the early ish camera phones. It was not the first by any stretch of the imagination, but this was still, this is when having a camera on your cell phone was still kind of like an interesting and novel thing. It was ridiculously thin. It was ridiculously small, ridiculously light. And it was the best cell phone I think I've ever had. Uh, actually, I'll just put a period there. I think the smartphone or the the iPhone is slightly different because it's a smartphone, but that was the best, just straight up cell phone I think I've ever had in my life.
1: I looked this up recently and I think I think if my memory is correct the razor is twice the thickness of the current iPhone.
0: That very well may be you are probably right about that but my rec- and I think we have one uh, that Declan was playing with downstairs so I'll have to check after the show but my recollection though is that it was far and away the thinnest thing I'd ever seen like in my life.
1: the thinnest piece, like a thin piece of paper or something. Exactly.
0: Even though you're probably right, it probably was twice the thickness of a car. Well, iPhone.
1: the reason I know this, if I know this, is because I looked it up for uh, Behind the App, because I used it as a uh, way to try and okay. explain the difference between what, what we had then, what we ended up getting, and what we have now. I do
0: remember that, now that you say that.
1: So I'm looking at it now, and it's what? 13.9 millimeters mm-hmm. and an iPhone is 7.1 millimeters.
0: Yeah, so you're right. It's twice, it's the, twice thickness. the thickness.
1: Twice the thickness. That's insane, right? Yep.
0: But I love this phone so much. Oh my God, did I love that phone? And I think actually that, that Aaron and I, um, before we were engaged, or maybe we were freshly engaged, jumped on a on a common cell phone plan. So we both joined Verizon together. Like, we had each individually had cell phones. I think we were each individually on Verizon. But we had gotten a joint cell phone plan, which was a big, big deal. Big deal. Because like I said, yep. we either weren't engaged or were freshly engaged. And I remember we spent like 50 bucks each on these razors and thought that that was kind of egregious and ridiculous that so we spent $50 on a cell phone instead of uh, getting a free one. Huh. But, oh, my God, did I love that phone Mm-mm-mm. they
1: were expensive they were like five six hundred pounds
0: the razors were
1: yeah like if you bought them just bought oh them. yeah yeah yeah.
0: Mm. it was good times. Yeah, that was
1: the po- that was a very popular phone one of motorola's undoings was the fact that they refused to innovate on that style for far too long
0: yeah uh how do you prefer to celebrate your birthday
1: oh this is a this is something that many people in my life have problems with. <laughs> oh no! I prefer to not celebrate it with any kind of party. Okay. I don't like big birthday parties. Even uh, like
0: even say your thirtieth birthday, you wouldn't want a big party. No. Hmm. That's surprising.
1: I have always hated birthday parties because people always let you down on birthday parties. People really? Don't show up.
0: Uh. Okay.
1: Right, you invite people, they're gonna come, and the whole party is based around people showing up and then people don't show up. Maybe I've had some unfortunate friendships, but there always has been some kind of problem. I like small family things because they always will show up, or like low key meals with a couple of people, if not just with a dinner. That is what I want um birthday parties always to me just seemed like a time to allow people to let you down and i'm just not willing to do that i prefer to invite nobody and then nobody (laughs) can let you down right
0: fair enough um i second your thought on dinners on big birthdays like my 30th i like having kind of a blowout um On my twenty first, we had a bit of a blowout. But generally speaking, I like small dinners. Um, In fact, oftentimes I don't even celebrate with friends. I just want to go with family, like you said. It's less about being disappointed, but just because I like something low key. Um, When it comes to Erin, though, I found myself um, falling into the habit of really enjoying taking her on trips. Which maybe that's like super self centered of me, and it because it's sort of my trip too. But like for her thirtieth birthday, um, which I think we might have mentioned. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's we're paying in the in the reality of the situation is. But anyway, um, for her 30th birthday, I surprised her with a trip to Disney World. I told her um, I think I had given her the weather report for London, actually, and the weather report for Orlando. And I said, pack two different or set out two different piles of clothes, one for this weather report, which she didn't know where it was for, and one for that weather report. And I will pack your bag, and I will tell you when we get our boarding passes at the airport where we're going. And uh, we went to it's Disney. It's kind of good
1: that you didn't give her like the two locations. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because would have given them the you way. could have, you know, you could have really upset her. Maybe she would have preferred to. Her. She probably would have because she's a regular person to come to London rather than to Disney.
0: But oh, you're playing with fire. So I love London. I love London. It's one of my favorite places in the entire world. I mean, well, that. you
1: could just hop on a train for an hour and go to a subpar Disney. Uh, Michael I did uh, say it was subpar I know
0: Michael You're killing me Let's not get me started On Disneyland either Which is just a Just a shoddy excuse I mean
1: I called it subpar right? I know I was giving that one to
0: I you. know I know But oh god I love Disney World Disney World is also On my list of favorite places And hers as well Favorite places in the world Anyway the uh, Point being uh, I took her on this trip And uh, that That we tend to take. She's done the same for me on a couple of occasions, and we oftentimes tend to take each other's on, on trips. Although I think I do it more than she. Maybe that makes me selfish, but she seems to enjoy it. So that's, I think that's uh, all that matters. Uh, Mike, when did you first figure out your style? Your like your your clothes or visual style, and who are some of your influences?
1: So I probably first worked out what my style was around the age of eighteen, which I probably is reckon- similar for most people um, with music and bands always being a big influence because the music that I like is also like informed by trend, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I would say that my style is still evolving. Um you know, like beard being <laughs> a more regular thing and now I like I like to get my hair cut really short on the sides now.
0: Yeah, that's a popular thing I've noticed. Yeah, especially for
1: people that have beards because it makes your beard look bigger. <laughs> One of the saddest things (laughs) in my life is when I get my hair cut before I get my beard cut. Okay. Because my beard looks so glorious when my hair Uh, is really short. And then I have to go ahead and get my beard cut. You would. John Syracuse approved of my beard length this year.
0: Yeah, it was was definitely better. I still think that beards are not for me, which makes me absolutely without a shadow of a doubt in the minority. However, I would concur that you, it was cleaned up much more nicely than I recall it having been cleaned up last year.
1: Yeah. It's not necessarily shorter, mm-hmm. but he thinks it was, it was just cut slightly differently.
0: Fair enough. Um, what? So the question was, when did you first figure out your style? Yep. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, got, well, I mean, you have one. Do I? I
1: mean, I don't know. It's the Casey style. What right? is like that?
0: You, I'm, I'm scared to ask, but what is I that? I mean,
1: these days, the Mike style is beard, glasses, podcast t-shirt, and pajama trousers. <laughs> but, you know, that's my style. You still have a style. You know, your style is your hair gelled back the way it is, mm-hmm. uh, You and you wear kind of... Brightly colored or like colored, not like dark colors, shirts like button downs. I
0: do have dark ones, but I think generally speaking, I tend to lean towards brighter ones. So that's fair. So that's your style.
1: Where did that come
0: from? God, I don't know. I think from work, right? So I used to... um... I, I had to dress up for – so the consulting job I spoke of earlier, gen, the general outfit for most people was a button-down and jeans. Um, I always tucked in the button-down at the time. Over the years, I've gotten lazier, and I don't tuck in my button-downs anymore. Um, also, at the job I'm currently at, the new job um, – I've gotten even more relaxed, so today I wore shorts, like khaki shorts, uh, polo shirt, and flip-flops. Oh,
1: man, you'll be going in your pajamas next next time. Next thing you know.
0: Um, But generally speaking, especially during colder weather, which in this case San Francisco kind of is, um, generally speaking, it's a button-down shirt and jeans, and my beloved Skechers that Matt Alexander hates more than almost anything in the world. But – Didn't he
1: threaten to take you shoe shopping?
0: I asked him to in San Francisco, but I don't think he thought I was serious. Um, I
1: think he thought it probably would just be a... Terrible uh, decision. uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: But anyway, but I guess that came from works on the last few years is when I established it. And I'm not saying that I'm a stylish man. Uh, In fact, I would say quite the opposite. But I mean, I guess I'm I'm certainly on the surface better dressed than most people at WWDC in, in terms of like how formal I am. Not necessarily better, but like, I'm dressed more formally than most. But that being said, I still don't think I'm a particularly stylish person. I don't know. Uh, Mike, what tech from uh, science fiction would you most like to have in real life?
1: A really good virtual assistant. I can get behind that. Like one that is like a human, that I can ask it to do things for me and it just does them.
0: Yeah, I can get behind that. Um, I would love some really good VR.
1: Um, I've seen it, boy. It exists.
0: It's still. I don't believe it exists, no. so it's still science fiction to me.
1: Uh, it exists, KC.
0: I probably would have said the uh, Transporter up until CGP Grey's video, and now I don't think I ever want to get step in one ever.
1: Trust me, really good VR exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. right. All right. There is an episode of Cortex which will be out by the time this comes out. So in the next time, you can listen to the way that we describe it, and you'll see.
0: I mean, I've heard you speak about this in person, and uh, Gray might do a better
1: job than I do, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it sounded pretty, pretty cool. So, and the funny thing was, if you'll permit me a quick aside, um, when we were in San Francisco, so you guys went on this trip to Apple and then Facebook on Wednesday, and then myself and a few others did the same trip on Thursday. The difference, however, is that you were able to try the Oculus Rift, and we did not. We were not able to. When I asked you and Gray, when you were sitting within each other's presence about this, immediately both of you started freaking out and saying, "No, no, 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 we can't talk about this." Because yep. you didn't want to spoil the show. So that is yep. the dedication that they have to that show, ladies and gentlemen, is that we they could
1: re- talk about it separately. Right. Other people. And you not did in front of each other.
0: Yep. But not yeah. simultaneously in front of each other. It was, uh, it was, it was striking. Um, what
1: happens when you monetize your conversations? Yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, final question. And then we really have to go, what are the chances that we would both take a day off and let Aaron and Adina co-host an episode without you? Um, I completely concur with what you wrote in the show notes. So would you take it away?
1: I would like it. I would it. But love I think it. it might be difficult for them because they don't know each other.
0: Yep. Completely agree. Um, I try to put myself – like sitting here now, I'm like, oh, God, we should totally have them do this. This would be amazing. But then I put myself in their shoes, and they've – I don't think ever spoken to each other directly. Um, and. And that's super uncomfortable, right? Like, you don't want that to be a podcast the first time that anyone, that two people really meet each other. I'm hopeful that, that Mike and Adina will maybe find find it in their hearts to visit me in Virginia, or perhaps we'll find the time to visit them in London. And maybe after that, it wouldn't be quite so awkward. But sitting here now, um, I think that would be a, a really unfortunate episode, which is not their fault at all. It's just the reality of the, situa- of the situation. Yep. Good show, sir. I I like it. All right, uh, relay your feels, uh, please, people. Uh, send in some relay your feels. You can email us. You can uh, use hashtag relay your feels on Twitter.
1: Preferably use the hashtag relay your feels on Twitter.
0: Yeah, that would be, that would absolutely be preferred. But uh, we love relay your feels, and uh, we would really we could really use some more. So um, please send them in. Uh, and that's all I have for now. So Mike, I won't be able to hug you for another year. This is terrible. Do not want. Hold on one second. Sorry,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a disaster. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm Do you have so tissues sorry. nearby? Just honk yeah, that that's out, what, man. I'm using right now. Okay, just honk it out. It never, ha- it never helps me. It just makes it worse. Oh really?
0: Yeah.